we should read our Bibles. As men dig for buried treasure. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of peoples according to the number of the sons of God. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Take no part in the fruitless deeds of darkness, but yet expose them. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Life's a garden, man. You gotta dig it. Hello fellow treasure hunters, welcome to the excavation site. I'm Justin, alongside me we got Ben, Stephen, and Chad. We'll be your guides on this excursion. Hope you brought your shovel and your compass, because we got the map. Let's dig. What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long distance pals? We're back. Since Stephen's covering his mouth, try not to laugh. <laughs> He loves it, really. He does. I th- yeah, I think he. He just likes it. to make fun of me, try to get me to choke up. Yeah. I, 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 I got no words for that. See, rendering yeah. him speechless. Yeah, that's right. That doesn't happen very often. That's what I'm happen. saying. I'm proud it of that. Yeah. A lot. No. You solidified it. It's not going away now. <laughs> oh, so how so, you guys doing? <laughs> well, I guess I'm the chicken man. I had the meat get in the coop and kill nine. I only got five left. But they're actually laying eggs, which is surprising. You need more? I got a lot. No, I don't need. I think we're good. All right. Have you set up any traps? Yeah, I got traps out. Yeah. Haven't caught it yet, though. But they're out. Oh, yeah. Fool me once, right? That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like a midnight expedition. What? I mean... (laughs) I think a meat would be harder than like a coyote or something. <laughs> I don't think they make a meat call. Yeah. I got my own. Oh, do you? I figured make it like a little, you know, meat coat or a little scarf or something out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's new with you guys? Nothing. Just working. Yeah. Working Been working all 12 hours all week. I hear that. Yeah. Good, good money, little, but no but, no rest. Yeah. Well, well, you get me. That's right. <laughs> Same thing I got you last year. Sweet. <laughs> this is different exactly color. exactly what I need. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, well, uh, we got another good guest for you guys, and uh, we're going to uh, get to that in just a second, but uh, let's open up in prayer. Ben? Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this rain that we've been needing for a while. Thank you uh, for everything you do for us. Please give us the words we need. Speak through us so we can reach the people that you're wanting us to reach, Lord. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, well this guy here, uh, me and the wife, was uh, visiting a, a nearby church, and the uh, uh, Lord seen fit for our paths to cross, uh, and he spoke at this church on a Christian worldview. And it was just fascinating to to hear him talk. And so uh, after it was over with, I, I walked up to him and was like, hey, would you mind to do this again on a podcast? And he's would like, you, well, sure. Would you mind if I harass you a little bit hey, and ask you a bunch I'm of a, questions? I'm a bulldog, <laughs> man. But, uh, but yeah, he, he said he would. And me and this guy's had several conversations and uh, been looking forward to this for a long time. But uh, his name's Rick Hasty. Uh, Rick, how you doing? Hey, guys. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight well uh give a give our listeners a little background information uh who are you uh what's your specialties passions oh my um (laughs) well uh i'm a north carolinian by birth and uh a uh, north carolina tar heel by choice (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, although we're we're kind of a depressed uh group of people these days after uh the uh, athletic efforts of the last uh, eight or ten days, but yeah, Tennessee fans basketball. can, can yeah. relate. Yeah, okay, say, we're we can relate. Yeah. I'm from Michigan. Well. Yeah, you do understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, so uh, so anyway, uh, passion wise, I mean, I, I, I became a believer when I was 
a teenager and it was a big, big change for me. And, um, and I think God was good to me to just have me discipled by a, a great young pastor who really poured himself into me for a few years and gave me a love for his, his word. And, you know, I got a chance to study, uh, languages early on and, uh, and then found out real quickly that, uh, I didn't have much to offer at all as a pastor. So I decided to, that God could just use me wherever I was. And, um, you know, I'd love to say it's all been smooth sailing, but, um, I've not always been faithful to him, but he's always been faithful to me. And, uh, in the midst of that, just, uh, you know, I think giving me a passion for, uh, knowing his word more for, uh, for certainly seeking out deeper truths. Although I think the deepest truths he's probably reserved for seeing him face to face one day. Mm-hmm. But, um, as you know, from, from our, uh, our little time, uh, together, uh, back in that Sunday morning service, I have a real passion around Genesis one, two, and three, and specifically how we can learn from there who God is. And so I spend a lot of time in those three chapters among lots of others, but, um, but that's certainly a place I have a lot of passion for Justin. Well, uh, your, your talk that you gave was on, uh, you know, a Christian worldview and, Honestly, that's something that uh, I think as believers we kind of are an autopilot with, you know, whether we actually mm-hmm. exercise it or not. Even when we are, we don't actually realize and have the, the forethought while we're doing it. Uh, could you explain, uh, in your opinion, what a Christian worldview is, how it's important, and how you think we should exercise that as believers? Sure. The, the, um, the easiest way to think of uh, a biblical worldview or a Christian worldview um, is, is as a, a bridge between theology, which we learn from the scriptures. Um, theology, of course, is the study of God. Um, and so we learn lots of theology in the scriptures. Um, but sometimes I'd say... Um, we forget how to apply theology. And, uh, and that's why I call uh, our worldview is really a bridge between philosophical things, things we think we believe, and things we actually do. Um, and so uh, what ends up happening a lot of times is that people say they believe things uh, uh, about Christ, things about God, but then they behave as though they believe totally different things. And so having the right biblical worldview really enables you to see the world the way God sees it and to respond the way God would have us respond. I think, I think you're spot on there. And I think a lot of the problem in general is that, you know, as, as, and, I think, and I have to preface this, I always say this, I think church is so important. I think being fed and being around fellow Christians is so important. But at the same time, a lot of Christians, and I, if you could see me, you might see some air quotes there, but a lot of Christians, when they leave the church, they leave God at the church. They don't take them home with them. Right. And that I think is right. the biggest problem with the church today. And I talked a little bit about this on, on our little page that we have, but it, it, the, the fact of the matter is when we go back and you look at what, um, when, when, when Jesus said Peter was the, the foundation of the church and, and he said the church, right? Singular. And now you look at where we are, we're divided. You know, the, the, there's so many different, you know, we've taken human, uh, uh, man-written uh, doctrines and theology and taken that and and gone away from the word. So you're listening to a man and not going to the word yourself. I think that people overlook the biggest gift that we've ever been given, and that's the word of God, the Bible in our hand. We'd rather have somebody spoon feed it to us than dig into ourselves. And I think that's probably the biggest problem right. in the world right now. I agree. 
right? Yeah, uh, and and of course, um, uh, you you can sit um, in church and listen to teaching, um, but my hope would be you're listening to good teaching. Yes, um, because that's not always the case. And uh, and I think I've heard you guys say on some of your programs, and I really, really um, uh, celebrate your perspective that we are able to read God's word and learn from it. And uh, and John tells us that uh, that really we don't need any teachers; that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Now I. I don't believe that means we don't benefit from good teaching. Of course yes. we do. But I also believe that if we're not getting good teaching, we're, we, we don't have any good excuses either. Because as you just said, um, uh, that the word is available to us. And God will teach us through his word. Amen. 100%. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think that just, once again, that's something that I can't emphasize enough is that you can look around the world and look at different religions and look at different things, but we, we have this gift, right? You look in other countries and you can't even pick up a Bible and we're given that gift and we have it right in front of us. And so many people choose not to use it. And, and it's right. not, not condemning anyone, not saying that, you know, but you know what? It's a good time to start if you haven't yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's never too late. Exactly. Which uh, I got this handout that uh, you had as a slide on your presentation, and uh, you have what's here. It says the foundations for a Christian worldview, and I, I like how you phrase this. It says it, the Christian worldview is the lens through which we view the world and make decisions about how we will live. Every worldview is seeking an answer for truth and meaning. You know that's one thing that we say. You know, with the whole supernatural, you know, lens. You know, once we start. Right. looking into it and reading it as the uh, second temple Jewish people read it and interpret it to to the time frame to which the it was reading written to you see it with a whole new set of glasses and i think that's the the same thing here if you know once you put your christian worldview glasses on you see things totally different and uh i love it i just want to hit your little bullet points here because I, I like them it says sure uh Man is incomplete. Man is fallen. Man is God's image bearer. God is sovereign. God is creator. God is good. Evil is real. Evil is deceptive. And evil is defeated. And I, I really, right. I really like that. Uh, is there anything on uh, that list there that uh, you'd like to touch on or dive into a little deeper? Well, you're looking at sort of an umbrella uh, yeah. image, and uh, at the peak of that image is that God is creator. And um, as you might recall from from my presentation previously, I really break these into these three key, uh, key categories that we need to understand in order to have a solid foundation. And uh, that is that we need to understand truths about God, truths about mankind, and truths about evil. And with, without clarity in those uh, three areas, then it's going to lead to us going down paths in our, in our lives that are going to be very painful uh, and sometimes very harmful to us and to even those around us. But it also leads us to have, I think, um, misunderstandings about <clears throat> about what it means to be a Christian. And <clears throat> so there are a lot of people that I think, um, frankly, don't hold to these nine uh, points that you just um, uh, mentioned there. And, and the result of that is they also don't uh, often interpret the scriptures properly, much less things that happen in their daily lives. Which one thing that uh, I like to dive into, it's something that uh, we've talked about a few times, you know, here and there and kind of roundabout, 
was uh, the whole uh, theme on image bearing. Mm-hmm. That's something mm-hmm. that I have that been passionate about. And once I put on those glasses and started reading it in the Bible, you know, in Genesis 1, it's, you know, it says, let us make man in our image. You know, I was always brought up, you know, that that was the Trinitarian worldview. And me personally, was when I read it, you know, I seen it as uh, it was the divine counsel, you know, because when it said Job, you know, when he was uh, condemning Job for his uh, questioning, you know, he said, you know, where were you when I laid the foundations? And where were you when I done all these things? And he says, you know, when the, the morning stars and the sons of God sang for, joy. sang for joy. So it shows you, you know, that they were there at creation before us, mm-hmm. kind of like an elder mm-hmm. brother's thing. But so, but we were made in his image. And then, it, you know, and then when they come out of Exodus, you know, they were, uh, it says, do not, one of the commandments was, do not take the Lord's name in vain, you know. And I was always brought right. up that that's cussing and swearing. And then that opened up my eyes, and I'm like, no, don't be a hypocrite. You are taking, by saying mm-hmm. that you are God's people, you are his image bearers, you're representing him. So don't don't say you're representing him and live like the heathen, you know, like all the people surrounding them. Right. I, I think that your your point there is one of several points that can be made as it relates to what it means to be an image bearer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I uh, and, and I would point out, by, by the way, that maybe one of the biggest um, uh, misunderstandings of, of what that means is Certainly, as you read Genesis 127 there, um, that we were made in his image, male and female, he made us. Mm-hmm. And so as you look at that, and then you later look at in chapter two, at the at the um, creation of Eve out of Adam, um, if you just look under the covers a little bit around the Hebrew language that's being used, is it really recognizes again that uh, it's not male that bears God's image. It's not female that bears God's image. It's male and female that bear God's image adequately. And so that's kind of another item I think to put on your list there guys is that uh, being an image bearer is reflected perfectly this this carries over into the New Testament in particular, you know, we can look at, um, uh, at a variety of passages, certainly in Corinthians and in Ephesians that God intended the marriage relationship to reflect him. And likewise, he intended it to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. And so that holistic view of his image comes forth as we see who God is through both male and female, and especially um, uh, through the expression of marriage itself. And one thing, too, was the whole, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, the way they saw things back mm-hmm. then, you know. Uh, the temple, you know, was, was created after, you know, the creation account. You know, it kind of mirrors it. So it was basically when God created earth, it was his temple, and every temple has, you know, an image and priests, right? Mm-hmm. So, the you know, in Exodus, it says that Israel, they would be a nation of priests. So so there you have God's priests. And then in that same book, you know, he tells you, you know, make unto yourself no graven image. Well, my opinion is because the image was already there. It's, it's, it's mankind. We're, we're the image bearers. So... You don't need an image. You're, the image is already in the temple. And with that whole worldview, I think if you actually take the time to look at that, it really puts a mirror in front of your face. And you're like, how am I living? Am, is people seeing God through me mm-hmm. and the actions that, I, that I'm doing? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I think you toss in there too, Justin, um, the reality, uh, Colossians 3.10 and Ephesians 4.24 pointed out specifically that we're also being made into his image through Christ. Mm-hmm. That um, while we were created in, in perfection and goodness, 
um, uh, from the very beginning. Uh, and we we're now fallen, which is of course a part of this model here. Um, but that now we're being made complete again in Christ uh, into uh, God's image. And, um, and so we have that promise to look forward to mm. as well. Yeah. Cause the, like even the law, that was just the starting point, you know, I can't remember where it was at right. in the New Testament, but it said that, uh, you know, the, the law was a tutor to kind of show us how to be good image bearers until the example showed up but until also, Jesus yeah. came. But also to show us that we were imperfect because no one could uphold the law. Yeah. No one could uphold that exactly. law. So we had to see that we were imperfect, that we needed Jesus because no one can get there on their own. Yep. Right. Um, that was the number I'm one lie Satan here, guys, told us. But I, you know, he I said think, you would I be as gods. <laughs> yeah. I think you're referring there to uh, Hebrews 4. Um, but, um, yeah, that's right. And and so I think that this, if you think about these three, let's call them elements within that concept of, of how do we understand man um, from a biblical a worldview perspective that man is an image bearer man and remember by the way this whole concept of man being a word that is only used for the male gender um, that's not the way the scriptures see it again yeah. and and uh you know genesis 127 it says god made man uh uh male and female he made them yes so just keep in mind my reference here is to that complete uh, image as male and female that we're his image bearer but we have part part of that image of god that he gave us was free will yes and that free will resulted in our fallenness and uh and that made us incomplete um so um what we what we now know is that christ came to make us complete again and that promise comes to us as well in Genesis chapter three. And even with the, uh, you know, the angels and the, the sons of God, you know, do you believe they were given free will also? Well, um, I, I've heard you guys speak of Genesis six and uh, and uh, Deuteronomy and other places where there are references there. Um, it's a little, honestly, it's a little bit unclear to me exactly what um, the Holy Spirit is teaching about those. There seems to be this, um, and, and I go to Job 1 and 2, and you see sort of the longest passage in the scripture where there are um, this conversation going on between Satan and God. And so you see this um sort of back scene view yeah. of what's going on. It is clear that there is a um, willfulness that's being exerted by Satan. Um, and as we talk about a little bit in, in the worldview perspective, Satan's intent, uh, which is clearly demonstrated there in Job 1 and then in 2, again, is to separate um, uh, Job God's servant from God yeah. and uh, and he does that throughout and so that willfulness certainly exists but I would say I don't quite understand it right. I, I think now there's something I have kind of a question about your opinion on because there you know as far as the church and as far as um, everything that we read well, I shouldn't say even thing we read but when you talk to people when you talk to Christians everybody talks about Satan 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 he's the bad guy Satan's the bad guy Satan does this mm -hmm. but I think in in my estimation in my opinion when we talk about Satan we have to think about what Satan is first of all Satan is a fallen angel right I mean this mm -hmm. is that's an angel is not God an angel is not omnipotent an angel is not omnipresent Right. An angel right. like we could we see that in Daniel. Right. That when that angel tried to come to Daniel, Michael had to come and relieve him fighting the, the right. prince of Persia to be able to get through to him. So we know he can't be everywhere at once. So the right. Satan is is not omnipresent. We give him so much power, but it also because we we 
as a church make him out to be that he's everywhere and that he's attacking all of us. And it's not that way. But what I do think that shows is that sin is everywhere in the world. The powers of darkness are everywhere around us. It's not Satan. It's an army. It is, it is a legion all over again. When we talk about like from Mark, right? When we talk about uh, the, 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 all the demons that were infesting, infesting these, the the human is just, this stuff is everywhere around us. There's a constant spiritual battle going on all around us. But the hard part is everybody wants to put a little sticker on it or a little stamp on it and say, Satan, it's this, you know, he's the little devil on your shoulder. And we are making him into a God that he is not by doing that. We're giving him more power, more power than he actually has. And honestly, if Satan was omnipresent and omniscient, he never would have let Jesus be crucified because then we were all saved. So if he'd have known that, which I think that and he certainly made that that attempt, uh, Matthew chapter four, the temptation, he certainly attempted Mm -hmm. uh, to thwart God's plan. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll press on your thinking here just a little bit. and uh, if you, Jodice and Justin, I know you might have noticed that uh, I didn't call um, this third um, uh, being, that is first being God, second being man, third being uh, evil. I didn't call him Satan. And the reason I did not is uh, I think very aligned with what you're saying there, um, Steve, is that the... Um, there are really, I think, maybe two categories and then much underneath each category. Uh, we hear, first of all, Satan called by different names. And uh, I think we could assume that's the same being, but it's not always clear that it is. So Beelzebub, is that Satan? Is the beast Satan? Um, maybe. Um, uh, but at the same time, if you'll also note in the in the scriptures that sometimes God is actually referred to as an angel. So the angel appeared to Abram and Abram later says God appeared to him. Mm-hmm. And so we see this intermingling of terms. And so I would just, I kind of would leave it at that. I think it's a little bit ambiguous. What we do know from that the scriptures believe evil exists and it, it has personalized forms. In some cases, Satan, some cases, Beelzebub, in some cases, the serpent, um, in some cases, the beast, um, but they exist. We also know that evil exists within you and me. And that's not personified. That is just our evil hearts um, at work that is bringing evil around and I think maybe to your point, sometimes we blame that on the devil when we ought to be blaming it on ourselves. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. It all comes down to accountability. And that, that's one thing, too, like with this whole Deuteronomy 32 worldview. You know, everybody wants to, to blame Satan. And, oh, well, the, the fallen angels, you know, came down and taught us all this sin and all these bad, wicked things that, you know, yeah, but you need to take accountability because yeah, you were sh- right. you know, shown these things, but you chose to do them. So right. I think that's man's way of, of well, we're playing mm-hmm. the victim. doing the, the scapegoat. Yeah. you know, going back to Azazel, right. you know, the, yep. the original scapegoat, and right. uh, it's just you know people just need to take accountability. But, well, well, and to your point there, Justin, the scriptures make it very clear that God will hold us individually accountable he's not blaming it on satan yeah and one thing too uh, i just remembered it while you were talking the sin is, is within us the evil you know there's a part of it's in us uh, right I, I think back to uh trey smith we just had him on the show not that long ago and his mm-hmm. uh one of his episodes he was talking about the whole uh the, the rebellion at the garden and the original uh word where it says crafty you know it says that satan was more uh, the serpent was more crafty right. than any you know anything that right. God created. Well, that word is a room. Right. Well, 
when they in Rome actually, yeah, but yeah, my my Hebrew mm-hmm. ain't as good as yours. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But when they bit into the apple, and it says that then they realized that they were naked. That that's mm-hmm. the same word. Same word. It, yeah. So it's like the, by Iran. doing that, it's mm-hmm. like you know where it's the same word there. It's like they were signaling to the reader that they took on a property of Satan in that moment. What do you, what do you, you think about that? I agree with you on that, though, just real quick, because the same thing when Peter comes to Jesus and Jesus tells him, you know, get behind me, Satan. He's not actually calling Peter Satan. He's calling the temptation Satan, mm. right? Or so, the spirit right. behind him, yeah. Or or certainly the um, the intent behind it was satanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and to keep Jesus from doing what God had called him to do. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think you, you brought up a really interesting point, by the way, which of course, when, uh, when God created, um, uh, Adam and Eve, and then he declared that they were naked and unashamed. Again, that word you're referring to that Hebrew word then is revealed in Satan as being crafty or naked um, and then later, of course, they uh, they they are naked and ashamed. Yeah. Um, but but uh, something, you know, we don't have time maybe this evening to deal to delve into. But it's worth, I think, considering uh, that that's a reflection of our nakedness before God, and that uh, and that Satan. Uh, in his craftiness, his deceptiveness was still well known by God. Uh, that's that's then carried forward if you look in Genesis chapter four and verse one that Adam knew Eve, uh, and they conceived a child, and then that terminology of being known is reflected throughout, especially Genesis for um, uh, for. Um, sex, sexual intercourse, um, and the reflection there is is this entire nakedness of being completely known. Um, and so, my point there being, as crafty as Satan was, he wasn't more crafty than God. That's right. God knew him well, and he stood naked before God Himself. I like how and Vicky, his intents were naked before God. Yes, I like how Vicky Joy, uh, when we went to see her at that conference, uh, she was talking about you know people reaching out, you know, through seances, Ouija boards, you know, mediums, all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. She said, "You got to realize," she said, "that these are the flunkies." She said, "These are the ones that got <laughs> the junky knowledge." She said, "And then were booted out." She said, "So it's like yeah. if you're having trouble in algebra." Would you go to your dad that quit school in fourth grade to help you? She said, no, he's a flunky. She said, these guys are flunkies. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Well, uh, the other point that uh, on your uh, worldview I thought was uh, important, and we've kind of touched on it, and so I've seen this as a segue, you know, was evil's purpose is to destroy your relationship with God. Yep. So... How does the Christian nowadays, I guess, polish their glasses and and see these deceptions in world in the world today? Well, um, I, I think you guys are are certainly doing a, a good job in your podcast um, as you talk about the unseen realm. Um, uh, and that, from the very beginning, again, you know, I'm passionate as as we talked about about Genesis one, two, and three. Um, uh, it, it, we see that immediately, and I think that term "crafty" that you brought up is um, is certainly emblematic that Satan's intent from its from his very first appearance is to be deceptive, um, but also. Uh, he is, he actually exists and whatever form you are um, being confronted with, whether it's the evil inside of you, which is real, uh, whether it's actual being by the name of Satan or one of his um, fallen angels, um, that uh, this isn't a joke. 
uh, we're not we're not talking about myths here and ancient stories that have no meaning for us today that uh, he actually does exist today and he has one purpose in mind and that is to separate you and me from our heavenly our good father who means only good for us um and so if he can be successful in separating us then we will be separated from our good heavenly creator forever that is his purpose and so if you see it any other way you can very easily be deceived and I would also say it's a very easy way to recognize when Satan is at work or when evil is at work, because you would look under the covers and see the um, the purpose of that activity is to separate you from God. So an example would be um, if, uh, I mean, we have a lot going on in politics today it's pretty easy to see where some of those activities are coming from if you just look and again see their purpose is to cut you off from religion, for instance. And really, when they say religion, they really almost always mean from Christianity. Yes. Um, and so if you have a neighbor <laughs> who is uh, disrupting you on Sunday mornings, um, then it's not hard to see where those activities are coming from. And they're coming from a real source of evil whose intent is to separate you from your heavenly father. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I do want to jump back kind of what to what you said a little you bit. Back and, you uh, got to say your phrase. I, sorry, I said I want to back it up a little bit. There here. we go. I uh, can't help myself. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Uh, I know, and we talked a bit about this before we even started uh, recording here, but you were talking about Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and kind of that being your passion right now and kind of how that's a framework um, for Scripture in general. And I kind of want to get your take just because, <clears throat> honestly, you think about it, a lot of people, you know, when they go to some people, you know, now I, I never used to read a lot, and now I can't put my Bible down because it's it's mm -hmm. just – it, it fascinates me. It, I just, it draws me in when I get home. That's the first thing I want to do. It just, it, it draws me in, but a lot of people are intimidated by reading or, or they just don't, they can't seem to get invested in, in something like the Bible, but we're trying to help peel off and, and, and give them that lens to show them the miraculous, the, the amazing, the, the ultimate power of yeah. God. But yeah. if we could narrow it down and say, Hey, just read Genesis one, two, and three. <laughs> And, 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 and how would you want them to read that? What would you want them to take from that? Well, um, I, you know, the first, the, the, the first three things, I'll just repeat what's in our, in our model in front of us. And, and Justin, I, I think you've suggested would maybe make this available, but, um, um, oh yeah, <laughs> I'll the share way, these I, on the community page for the guys listening. Yeah, I just want to say that, it, of course, it's incomplete. I, I'm not proposing that I know everything about God here, um, but just some basic things that are so important for then understanding the rest rest of Scripture. So if those th there are three things, uh, Steve, that uh, that we talk about here, and, and it certainly starts with God as creator, and, and what that means very specifically is, is that God as creator is that everything was made by him and if everything was made by him then he can claim his purpose for everything that was made but it's there's another really important point to keep in mind um, and i think you guys delve into this a lot in your podcast which is god is not bound by time and space mm -hmm. he, he, you know time and space and matter as einstein pointed out in the 1920s and 1930s and and beyond even they're all created um and so don't try to bind god by time and space and matter they're, those are all created things he must by definition lie outside of those things and you know we could spend a lot of time talking about what that means mm -hmm. in terms of the universe today and the things that we're discovering and uh, and the 
and when you, as a for instance, how do you go out and apply this? When when I when I learn that there's been a new discovery in astronomy, filter it through that lens. God, our Creator, lies outside of time, space, and matter. And I'll give you a little bit of a of a quick um, um, uh, illustration here. I mean, I think you probably hear about the term matter and that there's all this matter, planets and stars and and uh, uh, dust in, in space. Well, as best we know, and these are precise measurements, by the way, these aren't, this isn't just some scientists putting a finger in the air, but they precisely measure that, that there's, that the universe is made up of 5% matter, 5%. And that's all we actually know about the universe is that 5% of matter. But we've made some other discoveries and you might've heard of the term dark uh, matter. Mm-hmm. And what that is reflective of is not dark, it's invisible. <laughs> so we've discovered there's, there's 27% of the universe that is made up of invisible matter. And the reason we call it matter is because it it holds back the universe's expansion. So if we just go along with what the scientists say, Ben, I won't argue with you about the days in it's Genesis all right. one. It's all right. <laughs> but but let's just go with with them for a second and go. Okay, so there was a big bang, and that big bang created this immense expansion from a a, a dot. Um, uh, in a point of time and a point of matter and that, and what we now know is that the universe is not only is not static, but it continues to expand, but it would expand faster if there wasn't this, uh, dark energy, dark matter or invisible matter. Um, because the 5% matter that we do know is not enough to keep it from expanding faster and faster. However, it keeps expanding. So how does that happen? Well, it happens because we've discovered, quote unquote, 67% of the universe is made up of invisible energy, which keeps propelling. So let me just tell you this. Scientists who say there cannot be a God, we don't believe in God, there's no proof of God, have discovered that 95% of the universe is made up of invisible matter and invisible energy that they don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. And what's crazy so is this that, brings us to this point. I, I shared this image just a few days ago. And that's why I had my phone out digging, trying to find it. Yeah. You know, this, you know, dumb cave people back in the old Testament knew mm-hmm. what science is just learning now. You know, <laughs> right. Isaiah knew about the universe expanding. Isaiah chapter 40, verse two, it says, it is he who sits above the sphere of earth. It's inhabitants like grasshoppers who stretches the heavens. Amen. I mean, and, and so you're pointing out, Justin, and, and there are other places to go again, Steve, back to your question. So when we see things like that, and then we look through the lens of a biblical worldview and say, we know God is as creator and he lies outside of the universe, then we have an answer to that 95% of invisible stuff that's controlling the universe that scientists say cannot be God. Why? We don't know because we haven't discovered God. (laughs) And now we go to Romans uh, 1 verses 19 and 20, where where, uh, Paul says, and what can be known about God he has already revealed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're we're not the ones who are trying to discover things or discover the authors. We already know the author. Yeah. And he goes on to say, so we are without excuse. Amen. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So in any case, this, the, the other two things there, uh, Steve, is that God's sovereign and what that means is, once again, you know, Satan, we can talk about Satan and, and his unseen realm and, and certainly the power that God has allowed him to have. But we see, again, in, in Job 1 and 2, that 
he doesn't operate outside of God's um, uh, sovereignty. Mm -mm. Everything he does is within God's sovereignty. We may not understand it. Remember, we only know what can be (laughs) revealed, what can be known about God. And there's clearly lots of things we can't know at this time. And then ultimately that God is good. And that means that anything that God is in control of, he is doing it for good. And so it gives us the opportunity to keep looking to see what is God doing that is good in what's going on right now in my life. That's right. And God will reveal it. He will reveal it. It's like a big picture. Don't be don't be stuck on the little picture. Look at the big picture. Yeah. You might be suffering through something right now, but it's meant for something later down the road mm-hmm. that you couldn't right. handle unless you suffered that little bit at the time you did. That's right. It'll always feel like a weight on you. You know, it's the hard part is is that the the struggles and things. And I look back through my life and I can see lots of times where. You know, I did things, you know, that were obviously not right and, and, and the struggles or even other times when I just struggled and I didn't think I should have to. But my gosh, all those things have 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 calm, have all come together for this, you know, for, for now, mm-hmm. for whatever's happening right now, mm-hmm. for us to be able to reach out and help people through other uh, through things that are going through the same thing, you know, that, that we've already been right. through and we're there to help. You know, we always talk about it. We always say iron sharpens iron, right? We're there to help other right. Christians through these things. We're help. We're there to help uh, bring more people to God. But my gosh, we have, like I said, it's it's just such a gift to know that even though we don't understand it, God does, and it's in His hands. We don't have to worry about it. And that's the right. main thing. You have to give it to God. You do have to give it to God. And that's you know you have yeah. that choice. You can struggle with it yourself, but He's there. He's there to help you. Whenever you ask them, I try, man. I'm gonna tell you, Rick. I, I try to verbalize this all the time, and you did it so much better in about in about five minutes <laughs> than I've tried to in about an hour with certain people. So I, <laughs> I absolutely love it. Thank you on that part. Well, you know where anything that's truthful comes from, um, and and I could say, Justin, that if we only built this biblical foundation on those three points that God's creator that God's sovereign and God is good it would be enough to understand our lives and what happens every day and how to respond in a world in which God is in control um, and he is good all the time he's good and you think that uh, since he put it right in the beginning of the book that it was kind of important we missed it We right. skip to the and, ending, and, uh, right? So, <laughs> jump, jump to the back. <laughs> and so, as you look at the end of chapter one, what does it end with? God looking at His creation. And it was good. It and was declaring. Good. It was very, very good. Yes, yeah, yeah, it yeah, used it's very, very good. Yeah. Yep. But when <laughs> yeah. he was doing all the talk and about so, the time, space, and matter, it reminded me of uh, yeah. Kent Hovind. I know you're probably familiar with some of his stuff. <laughs> no. Uh, he he uh, back in the eighties, I believe it was. He done a lot of uh, debates and stuff with uh, professors and mm-hmm. college uh, professors mm-hmm. and stuff like that on creation and evolution. And I'll never forget yeah. it. It's one of my favorite video clips ever. And you can tell it was totally eighties because he had like this red, almost polyester suit on and the big glasses. <laughs> you know, it was atrocious. <laughs> but. The professor, you know, was belittling him, talking about God, you know, and basically, I can't remember exactly, but he made a point. He was like, so, he said, uh, your God is, is spiritual and not made of any matter. We can't see him. And same thing with these angels. He said, so, how many angels can fit on the tip of my pen? You know, he's like, and, and where does your God come from? You know, where did he come from? You know, or where did he come from and all this kind of stuff, you know. And he was I like, think I know where he's. Yeah, he stood up and he was like, well, okay. He said, uh. First of all, he says, you're referring to time, space, and matter. And he said matter. He says matter. matter. Time, matter. space, and matter. <laughs> he says, my God is not limited by time, space, or matter. He said, because right. if you had right. uh, time uh, but no space, where would you put it? He said, if you had space but no time, when would you put it? He said, the book that I ascribe right. to says, in the beginning, there's time. He said, God created the heavens, there's space. 
and then the earth, and there's matter, time, space, and matter. He said it's a trinity of trinities. He said all three must right. exist simultaneously. I've seen that. He said just as this computer, right. and he pointed to a computer or whatever, and he says, <laughs> he said the man that designed this software is not inside there bouncing around, fixing codes and doing things. No, he's outside of it. The creator is outside of it. My God is outside That's of right. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh, if yeah. if y'all don't know the video, you got to look it up. Yeah, Kent Hovind, look he it up. He slays the guy pretty good. <laughs> yes, it's awesome. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, the one point I would also want to uh, emphasize here is it is the last thing for a Christian is to be afraid of science. I'm not talking about the Dr. Fauci form of science where <laughs> we deny everything except what we believe yeah. uh, and can't and can't prove. Uh, I'm talking about real science, science for instance. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I subscribe to Astronomy Magazine. Why? Because they are constantly unveiling things that demonstrate over and over again the truth of the scriptures. And the fact that they don't apply them to the scriptures is immaterial. Um, and so, but, uh, but again, you just look at the evidence over and over again that is coming from uh, more and more expansive science and God's revealing has revealed himself. We're just continuing to discover more of it all the time. Yes. I just love that. And I think, you know, the more and more we discover it, the more and more you see is this, uh, the Webb telescope, is that the one that's up there right now? The Right, it, that, right. the newest. The, the mm -hmm. pictures and the stuff that they show us, and it's like, my gosh, is God good with a paintbrush? You know what I mean? His, he's such an amazing. artist. The stuff that he's put there to show us how great and amazing he is, it's such a gift that we can see those things and see, and then, and then honestly... It takes so much more faith to believe that happened by accident. Like, yeah. how, how can you not uh, think that yeah. there's not a creator after you look at that and see that? I, I mean, I can say that about a tree. You can tell me a tree happened by accident, but you look at the heavens, look at this, look at space and tell me that happened by accident. And I, I don't know. I don't think I can help you. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's I what I tell you. Right. I can't get through yeah. you. Creation is the biggest receipt. Yeah, yes. of God. Yeah. It's like it's systems within systems yeah. within systems, man. And right. even if one beats all the astronomical odds to come into existence, if the other systems outside of it that it relies on doesn't come into existence at the exact same time, it beats right. astronomical odds it doesn't, just to die. Yeah, yeah it doesn't right. work. Right. You have to have all right. this everything. And, you know, you say the Big Bang. It's like a hand grenade. Yeah. An explosion. <laughs> You're not going to get a Rolex right. watch out of a hand grenade, right? But yeah, that takes good faith. Exactly yeah, right. but but, but yet, exactly right. an oak tree has seeds that plants an oak tree. It's not an oak tree has a squirrel, which has a daisy, which has a cockroach. It does. There's so much order to everything. Look back. Look back through the Bible, and you look at. Even when people weren't worshiping God, they were worshiping a God, whoever right. it might have been. Right. Maybe Something. it was Marduk, or maybe it was was uh, 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 Tammuz, or maybe it was. I mean, there's all these different, you know, Anana, all these different gods throughout time, and you know, Molech. All it talks about them sacrificing their children to Molech. They were always worshiping a God, and 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 there was always something they were worshiping. It's not until we started trying to take religion out of society that we started down this path of, of, Oh, it, you know, guess what? Something blew up and then, a uh, uh, you know, this turned into this and evolution happened and all right. these things happened. We started taking that out. Even people back in biblical times when they didn't believe in, in the Hebrew or the Israelite God, they still believed in a in God because they right. knew something that, that it was bigger than them. There was they a knew it was, but even though it was not the right God, a lot of times they knew it was bigger than them. They knew something had to be there. And then we get to the point now where we have taken that point, the same point when we talk about the garden and we said, you know, the, the, the Satan's uh, deception is you will be like gods. That's what people want to believe nowadays is that we are, we the, are the, gods. the superior species. Right. We are the superior of everything. So right. that we are above that. So now 
if we aren't the ones that created us, then it has to been by accident. We don't want to, people never want to have responsibility for their actions. So they, they think about other things. And we talk about this and I don't know how much you, um, uh, uh look into some of these things, Rick, I really don't, but the, I, I, it drives me nuts. You know, you see these shows on TV, like ancient aliens, right? And if you take that, the aliens off and you put gods and demons and, and, and as instead of aliens, you know what? You're pretty on point, but, <laughs> but if you, if you sit there and you try to try to say that this is all, uh, they want to believe it's something like aliens or something because they don't want to have responsibility to a God. They want it to be something where it's, they don't have to have uh, accountability for their actions. And I think it's the inversion uh, of God. That's what Satan and, and like he said, it, you know, separates you from God. So how does he do that? He flips everything upside down. Mm-hmm. If you got your, you know, your Christian worldview glasses on, well, what's the best way to distort the image? Well, let's fog up those glasses. You know, I think C.S. Lewis's book, uh, the screw tape letters mm-hmm. is a prime example of what we see today. I mean, he did such a good job on that. It's like, it's the simple little things, you know, we see is, you know, the, the fall of man and, and sin corruption and big things, you know, even, uh, uh, simple as a guy cutting you off in traffic and that little whisper in you, in your head, you know, ah, just jump out and give him the bird. You know, as simple as that, or hey, make this little ad pop up with this half-naked woman on your Facebook feed and, and click on that. It's all these little open, mm-hmm. little crack doors that, that you know. That lead that, you to yeah, something else. It's just like, hey, come on, you know. just It's, it's always the little things. It, we always look to the big, but, and that's what I think is so pivotal about having this Christian worldview because then once you have it, you can see it for what it is. You know, you don't justify it and be like, oh, you know, I just, uh, you know, looked lustfully at my neighbor's wife. It ain't no big deal. I didn't do nothing, mm-hmm. you know. But, no, it's if you got your your right glasses on, you know and see for what it is. It, it's a temptation and thus separates you from God. It's a lot bigger than what the the lie of, of Satan, fallen angels, whatever you want to label you want to put on it but it's bigger than what they're making it out to be but that's the lie isn't it <laughs> it is that's the lie is that it oh it's no big deal you didn't do anything it's no big deal it's this it's no yeah. big deal it's you just can one look, time just you don't did touch. this exactly yeah. and we go down a, we go down a dark road and it's 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 a chess game of small moves it is when i say the days of noah you know it says you know as in the end will be like the days of noah and you got to think if we're not there yet, how bad were the days of Noah? Oh my gosh. But I mean, where are we right now on that historical time? Is it, you know, and once again, there's no way to say for sure, but are we, is it in our lifetime? Are we close? Is it the next generation? I mean, I know there's no way to say for sure, but what's your opinion on that matter? Well, I don't, I mean, my first opinion is, um, is not an opinion, but a fact, which is, uh, Jesus says very clearly, we cannot know, mm-hmm. uh, that we're, that we are not given that right, uh, that not even he was given that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll start there, but I don't think that keeps us from speculating. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, That's what and we do I here. also don't think, <laughs> right. yeah. And I, and I, and I also think that God, you know, does part of awareness is anticipation. And so, um, but, you know, there, I, I certainly get what you're saying, um, Steve, I really do. And I feel that. And I can't tell you how many times in the last few years, my wife and I have said things like, you know, I hope Jesus is coming back soon. And, you know, (laughs) and Mary, and that's right. A revelation entreats us to say, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. And so I think we are given to that nature to think it's any time now. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Uh, but I also think that if you are living in Ukraine right now, that you might absolutely believe what you just said. It can't get any worse. Mm-hmm. And can Jesus come back tonight? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, living in America, we probably are not suffering anywhere close to where We're we might definitely one day. Not. 
Um, and so I don't know when he's coming. I know that he's told me I can't know, <laughs> but uh, di he didn't say I couldn't speculate. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I just think it'll be a surprise. Um, it'll be at a time when we are frankly more likely to be at, at, at rest and relaxed. Uh, if you think about one of his, his um, parables there that the, the 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 really surprised uh, guests of the bridegrooms were those that were just kind of sitting around relaxed, mm -hmm. um, and so I wonder in some ways if um, it's not so much a sign of how bad things are as how relaxed we might be. Yeah, because even and in that, we're not ready. A lot of people missed the second part of that. You know, it says as it was in mm -hmm. the days of Noah. It, and if you continue, it says they were eating and drinking and marrying and great point. So yeah, that, that shows you that, that they weren't worried about it. They were having a good old time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. But is that, is that just, yes. the, is that the picture saying that we are just, we're going to slowly kind of, I don't know. I think like forget, like desensitize. Kind yeah. Of. It, but, yeah. But is that mm -hmm. not exactly what we're going through right now? Is not everything that we see on TV, everything we see around us is desensitizing us to, yeah. I mean, everything. Well, that's true. When you, when you what your feelings say, you look at, First, right. look at things. I mean, I mean, you can't, you can watch abortion. When I was a kid. Yeah. Child sacrifice to bail, just different wrapping paper. But when I was, know. when I was a kid and you watch TV, right? Your regular old TV show, your sitcoms, I, I Michael J. Fox and family ties and things like this. Right. And, oh, it's funny. And you really didn't make anything too edgy. Now, Hey, Steve, I'm, I'm a lot older than that, by the way. <laughs> well, we well, weren't going to say my, anything. My, but... my, three, my three sons comes to mind, but anyway, but, but, keep going. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. You're good. Okay, I, I can go. Andy Griffith. <laughs> Andy, Andy Griffith. Griffith. Watching Don Knotts. <laughs> there we go. In Mayberry. Go. Right? You know, it, was, it yeah. was innocent. It was it was fun. It was friendly. But you can't go and watch network TV without them pushing sex. Without them pushing nudity, yeah, or a gay couple, pushing, yep, without right. them yep. pushing trans, right. all, um, all these different new ideas in the world that are are mm -hmm. pushing more and more of this mainstream. The more and more of the anana, when we talk about as it uh, as above, so below, and we talk about some of the um, God worship back then. That we when we go way back, and when we talk about uh, the 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 gods they worship that they could believe could transform from men to women and all these different things. And we're back to that point right now. We're back to right. that point where we're right. seeing where you can just decide today, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be gonna, a unicorn. I'm gonna, you can be a unicorn, Ben. <laughs> you look like a unicorn. No. Yeah. Right. But when you, you can choose to be whatever you want and you can do this and you can right. do that. And I believe again, that when it says, and we look back at, 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 um, Genesis and we we look at the words of Satan there and he says or then Akash the serpent and he says you will be like gods what can gods do gods can choose to do whatever they want gods can be whatever mm -hmm. they want yeah. and it's exactly what we're instilling in the younger generation today more so than ever before is to be just mm -hmm. like that you can be gods you can choose and you it, can make well, up your mind and, about and anything. even on top of that not just what they can do it's what they don't have to do. Well, just for the record. None of them's working. Just for the record. We're choosing what I mean, we can be, right? Yeah. My pronouns from here on out are handsome. <laughs> when you refer to me, it, I, it's, I thought, it's handsome. Well, okay, handsome. Thank you. This is why we have a podcast that's, that's, uh, that's not that's videoed. only audio, yes. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Rick. Well, one thing, one thing is for sure, and that's that God calls us as and even commanded us uh, through his son to be ready I, to anticipate any day now. And I'm ready. And as just as those apostles said soon, he's coming soon. We have to say that too. He's coming soon and everybody better be ready. And you know what that right. means? That doesn't mean just have your, uh, your, bags packed and you're ready to go make sure everybody you know is ready to go too because right. they're not going to have uh, another chance right. 
It's our job. That's right. the whole Great Commission. It's our job to make sure we're taking as many people with us as we can. And that's one thing that bothered me, honestly, about that bridegroom parable. You know, everybody hears that, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I, what I take from that is uh, have my lamp oil full, be ready to go. Honestly, when I read that, my first impression was, was sadness. It was like the ones that didn't make it. I want to be the, the one who are that's late. got my oil, but I got some to spare to give somebody else. That way they can go. I brought a whole can full. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I got Just you. Just stopped the kerosene, right, for the heater over there. <laughs> you son of a gun. Sorry. <laughs> well, Rick, we really appreciate you coming on with us, and uh, this has been uh, very stimulating. I love these uh, big mind flex talks. I appreciate it, Rick. <laughs> You're right at my alley right now, buddy. It's kind of the same stuff I'm diving mm-hmm. into, and it's been awesome. Thank you, sir. Well, it's been great to be with you guys. Thanks. Um, I'm thrilled with all that you're doing and love your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll have you back. We'll, uh, we'll take a deep dive on time. Uh, that's uh, another favorite subject. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, we thank you for tuning in and uh, you guys keep on digging. We thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas, we'd love to hear from you at the dig 423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at the Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig.